0: Hey, what's going on Giants fans? Welcome to the latest episode of the Talk is Cheap podcast from NJ Advance Media, the Star Ledger, NJ.com. Daryl Slater here with you, Bob Brookover as well. Uh, Wednesday morning right now, September the 27th, uh, we're going to talk all things Giants here for the next bit. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously a lot to to go through. Uh, It's been about a week since the 49er game, so we don't You know, We're kind of going to talk about that in the context of the big picture and how they can move forward from what was another uh, bad loss against uh, an elite team. They've now lost two games to really good teams, the Cowboys and the Niners. They've played exactly one good half all year, uh, that being the the epic comeback in the second half against Arizona, which, you know, maybe the Cardinals are better than we thought. But bottom line is that was a should win game for the Giants. They won it. The other two games... You can kind of understand why they lost, but now they're sitting here one and two. They got three tough ones coming up next Monday night against Seattle, then at Miami, then at Buffalo. So this three game stretch is really going to determine the direction of their season. I think if they go all in three, you can probably just call it, um, but uh, they probably need to get back to three and three by the time they leave Buffalo on the 15th of October. And uh, we'll get into that much more. And Bob, how you doing?
1: Doing well, doing well, Daryl. Back from, back from the West Coast. Um, catching up on my sleep. I'm almost there.
0: <laughs> yeah, and the Giants got back uh, themselves talking to players yesterday in the locker room. Uh, they did have media access and a walkthrough practice yesterday on Tuesday. They are off today here on Wednesday, and then back to their regular schedule on Thursday tomorrow, which is really the normal Wednesday. But uh, talking to guys in the locker room, they mentioned you know how how late slash early they got back Friday morning, taking the essentially, you know, a red eye. Um, They got the weekend to kind of catch up and now they have to regroup and play a tough Seahawks team. And I guess we can just kind of go through this in terms of the issues currently facing this giants team. And we can start most broadly. And that would be the first half struggles. Um, The giants have been outscored 63 to six in the first half, of course, 26, nothing in week one, then 20 to nothing. And then 17-6 to in San Francisco, where they fell behind by 14 points. Um, They have two field goals in the first half. Their defense has allowed 50 points in the first half. There's just so many ways to to slice and describe just how bad this team has been in the first half. And, you know, really, you you fall behind by 14 points, typically in the NFL, you're not going to win. Like, it's hard to come back from that. Like, a 14-point comeback is rare, let alone a 21. Um, What do you make of their struggles in the first half?
1: I mean, it's a recipe for disaster is what it is. And, you know, if not for the second half of the Cardinals game, this would be a disaster. Uh, and and we might already be saying this season is pretty much toast. Um, but that that second half in Arizona gives them some hope. Um, you know, I think this week's huge and they can't, you know, they can't continue to to start the way they did. The funny thing is, a lot of them, and this is directly after the game in San Francisco, a lot of guys in the locker room didn't think they had started that bad in San Francisco, which may be a reflection of how bad the, the first two games were in the first half. Uh but but you I could understand a little bit what they were saying. You know, they didn't you know the, the the 49ers didn't put up big numbers against them. They they were still in the game when they left the field. Uh offensively, they hadn't done anything at that point. Uh, you know, they were they were fortunate that they had Graham Gano who Kicks 50 yarders like they're extra points. Um, but, you know, they, they were still down and they were still in trouble. And they probably played a worse second half where they just got, you know, eaten alive by yards after the catch and not being, you know, what you wrote about today, just not being able to tackle guys after they, they got, the, you know, after they catch the ball, you know, the, the stat was 201 yards after the catch. The Giants had 150 total yards and the 49ers had more after the catch than they had total. Um, so, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know that the giants absolutely know what the answer is to, to starting better. Um, you know, the only good start they had was the first drive of the season and it ended in disaster and they've been not good in the first half ever since. Yeah. And on both sides of the ball, it's not, I mean,
0: obviously you're, you're, when you score two field goals over the course of three games, it really doesn't in the first half, it doesn't matter how your defensive played in that, in that half, but They've allowed 50 points defensively in the first half. And um, there's just so many things that are wrong with this team right now on both sides of the ball. Obviously, offensively, they were absolutely inept in San Francisco, suburban San Jose, uh, whatever you call it. And that's just not sustainable. I mean, 150 yards, which tied for their fewest since 06. Like, I don't care how how well your defense plays. You're not winning a game with 150 yards in the NFL <laughs> um, unless it's a total outlier. So, yeah, I mean, it, the, the the slow starts on both sides of the ball, a huge issue. And kind of compounding that uh, is the absence, at least in week three at the Niners, of, of some significantly important players. We talk about Saquon Barkley, Ben Bredesen, and Andrew Thomas, most notably. And, of course, Aziz Ojolari on the defensive side of the ball. Um, just real quick, injury update-wise, where these guys are at. Um, well, and first of all, Deontay Banks is okay. He hurt his arm. We'll see on DJ Davidson, but obviously he's not a, a top line player. Um, he has an elbow injury. Andrew Thomas TBD, I think, for Monday night. Saquon Barkley, same thing with a high. It's a high ankle sprain uh, for Monday night. Uh, ben Bredesen will should be good to go, uh, which is a good thing for the Giants. He's their most consistent guard, and they need him. Um, and then Aziz Ojolari, we'll, we'll see. So there's still some questions about. Uh, if they're going to be able to have most notably Saquon Barkley and Andrew Thomas for Monday night.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it, they should be healthier. I think though, I think, I think there's a, a pretty good chance they get Bredesen and, and Andrew Thomas, and then they still got to figure out exactly what their offensive line is. Although, you know, Brian Dable seems to know what his offensive line is, at least as what he said yesterday, which, you know, it's going from left to right is Andrew Tom, you know, when they're all healthy, Andrew Thomas left tackle, Ben Bredesen, uh, left guard; John Michael Schmidt center; uh, Marcus McKeithen is going to continue to play at right guard, and then a- Evan Neal, you could also is going to continue to play at right tackle, um, despite three three really tough games after a difficult rookie season. He's you know they're sticking with him and they're hoping that he can turn things around. Um, but even you know it, it will be better with Andrew Thomas and Ben Bredesen. Ben Bredesen but there's still questions on that offensive line and if those you know if those don't get answered everything we're talking about doesn't really matter so um, you said it
0: I mean that's that's so true I mean we can talk all we want about how important it is to get Andrew Thomas and Ben Bredesen back on the left side of that line very that's that's true it is um but the other three spots have been very inconsistent at best I mean you got a rookie center who's been inconsistent unsurprisingly and Schmitz uh the right guard spot has has not produce much of anything in terms of whether it's Glowinski or Marcus McKeithen, who you figured would have growing pains. They're pretty committed to keeping Glowinski on the bench, obviously. And I think ditto for Josh Azudu. They, they like McKeithen better. Otherwise Azudu would be playing left guard and and uh, Bredesen would be playing right guard, but instead they go with Bredesen when everyone's healthy at left and McKeithen at right. And of course, Andrew, or Evan Neal rather, we all know how how much you know. I think he's teetering on bus status at this point. He's got another, I would say, half to three quarters of a season to get this thing figured out before we can just say maybe this guy just doesn't have it, uh, especially as a pass blocker. Daniel right.
1: under pressure forty seven percent of the time. And that's not sustainable. No, it's not. Um, and and you know it would be shocking if he was if he was a bus because he's a seventh overall pick. I mean, it's not like other teams weren't. You know, you don't get to be a seventh overall pick with. with just one team being in love with you, you know? So it would, it would really be shocking if he wasn't. Um, It it would also be shocking because, and to me a little bit, because of the way he goes about his business. I mean, he's a very professional, uh, you know, it's a guy who, you know, is working hard to get better. Uh, It just hasn't translated to the field yet. Uh, But you, you know, he goes about his business, right? He's an Alabama kid. So, you know, he, played at a high level program and obviously had success there uh against you know the uh, tough SEC guys um so it, it would be surprising if 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 he if he ended up being a bust uh, but so far you know so far no good <laughs> Yeah, he is not a guy who is resistant to coaching and who is immature.
0: I mean, obviously those things were both the case for Eric Flowers when he was with the Giants and he was a bust. And so that's not what's happening here. I think the the issue is either this guy can play at this level or he can't. Um, And a lot of it just comes down to can they protect Daniel Jones, especially if you don't have Saquon Barkley and teams are going to do – what the cow, what the cowboys did, or what rather what the Niners did, and they're just going to go after Daniel Jones. And uh, he was pressured 44% of the time in that game, 67% in week one, and, and 30% against Arizona, which you know the Giants won that game. Uh, I mean, just for context, I mean, 47 to be pressured on 47% of your dropbacks. Okay, so like, is that a lot? Yeah, well, that's a lot. So last year it was 42. And then from in Jones's first three years, 2019 to 2021, it was 42%, 40 and 34%. So he's been pressured a lot. I mean, this team has struggled to put the pass block, but even, even for the Giants, 47% pressure rate is extremely high. And the Seahawks come in, I think 11th in PFFs pass rush ratings. And so that's the formula. If you don't have, say, the, the Giants don't have Saquon Barkley. I mean, teams are going to go after Daniel Jones and the offensive line needs to be ready uh and, and more than just ready capable of protecting
1: them yeah i mean they, they had no ro- running game really to speak of against the 49ers I, I think the running backs ran it six times for for 20 uh, i don't know not 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 they didn't i know that they didn't run it at all after they Brady scored an 8 yard touchdown run early in the second half and then that, they did not run the football again after that that play uh so there was no running game to speak of uh and with without that you know what 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 prevents teams from just coming after daniel jones playing a really aggressive style of defense there's nothing there's nothing pre- preventing that at all right now uh and i you know that we you talked about the injuries and that's the big you know obviously he's the big one is he going to be back uh i would say doubtful at this point but who knows
0: yeah, and then that kind of goes hand in hand with falling behind. You're going to have to throw the ball to catch up. When you fall behind, you become one dimensional. And then when you have an offensive line that can't pass block particularly well, it's a nightmare. It's a recipe for disaster. And so, a lot. Right, depends-
1: but but in that game, you know they, you know they 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 got in they got to within seventeen twelve. They went for two. I'm not sure I agree with that decision that that Brian Dable made there because when they don't get it, are you taking away some of your team's momentum? Uh, you know, uh, and you, you know, you're chasing points really early in the game. I know the analytics that's, say that's the best thing to do there because you can get it later. Uh, but to me, you didn't need to do it there. Um, and sometimes you just got to go with your gut. Like, all right, things are going well. But my, my more to my point is okay, so then the 49ers go down, they hold them to a field goal. So now it's 20 to 12. And then, you know, and then hold them to another field goal, 23 to 12 but you never really tr- even tried to get back into the running game, you know, and I know Matt Breed is not um, Saquon Barkley, but he's not a bad back either. He's, he's, you know, when given a chance, he's been a pretty good back in this league.
0: And, you know, they certainly need Barkley back to to help keep these defenses more off, off balance. And it, it did come out like right before the Niner game that he, he told um, Taylor Rooks from, from Amazon, which was broadcasting the game that, he is dealing with a high ankle sprain, not a lateral low ankle sprain. And so, okay, so like a high ankle sprain is typically more difficult to recover from. He had a high ankle sprain in the same leg in 2019. It cost him just shy of a month. It was three games, and uh, and then 2021 he had a low ankle sprain to the other ankle on the left side. That cost him about a month, also. So uh, I don't. Maybe it doesn't matter. You know, maybe this isn't as severe of a high ankle sprain as 2019. Either way, I think it's probably a stretch that he's ready for for next monday night because that would be two weeks and a day after he got hurt so you know i just think that would be quick to come back and i understand the the logic here about it's pain tolerance okay okay, obviously yes and and typically you can't hurt a high ankle sprain worse by playing through it and if you can fight through the pain or take a shot or whatever but Uh, you know, when, when you're in pain, it's hard for your body to respond in the way to like go run away from tacklers. And so you're potentially exposing yourself to further injury, like, you know, a concussion or something like that. If you get hung up and you're a step slow, you'd rather, you really don't want that. I mean, and so, um, and obviously, you know, when you're a step slow as a running back period, your whole job is to run away from people. So, uh, I get the whole pain tolerance thing. Um, and it, but that's not to you can't, you can't just minimize it and say, oh, you can't make it worse um by by playing through it i'm sorry but like the toughest person in the world trying to run on a a, a serious or even a moderate ankle sprain it's gonna hurt like crazy so yeah that's what they're dealing with and he came back too quickly from a high ankle sprain in 2019 by his own admission he wasn't he wasn't really right the rest of the year um unfortunately for the giants they don't have a lot of wiggle room here you know they need to they need to accomplish some things these next three weeks or their season might be over so i can understand why he
1: would want to rush back You said at the top of this they got to be three and three, and I, I'd like to say they could survive a two and four, uh, you know, because I just don't see them beating the Dolphins or the Bills on the road. Um, So that make and that makes this week's game just vital, uh, and and certainly no pushover game there. Um, But if they could get to two and four, you know, you, you look ahead to the schedule. You can see you can see a way they could get to five and four after that, going against the Jets, Commanders, and and Raiders. Um, you know, so that would be, um, you know, one of the things you're looking at. Um, the, the schedule really does soften in the middle of it. Uh, I know we don't want to go right into the schedule right now, but, uh, but yeah, that, getting, getting back to Barkley, I, I think they're just going to have to deal with without him here for a few weeks, and and. You know it's going to be on Daniel Jones' shoulders more than more than anything else. But you know what they they you know Joe Shane went out and supposedly made this receiving core better, and I think he did. I think it's certainly a more talented receiving core. So now we need to see it. Uh, I do think, despite Barkley not being there, they need to at least try to run, show the run, uh, keep teams a little more honest. That won't be easy against the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks are giving up two point nine yards per carry uh this season so that won't be easy um but i think it it needs to be done and we talk
0: about wiggle room i mean they started last year six and one of course and they they then they go to seattle and lose but they they had and then they beat the the texans so they're seven and two and then they go into that slide but they had the wiggle room and and really if they lose this game and start wanting (laughs) wiggle the wiggle room is gone and you mentioned the schedule does loosen up a little bit um so there is potential to get some of this back but then you'd be fighting to just to stay at 500 when obviously a 500 records not getting into the playoffs. So a lot of a lot of reasons why they need guys like Daniel Jones like their offense and you know like their offensive line and and Evan Neal to perform better in the absence or likely absence or potential absence of on Barkley and I think one of those guys is Darren Waller. Uh I wrote about this right after coming out of the game for the next day because he did not play well against the Niners. He had a drop that led directly to an interception. There was another play where the ball was high over the middle. I, you know, I know Kirk Herbstreit in the broadcast was digging him for that. I can't, I can't knock him for that one, but the other one was a, just an awful drop that led to a pick. That's the third time. The other two being Saquon Barkley drops that, that, that those type of off the hands plays have led directly to picks for, for Daniel Jones, tough breaks. But uh, yeah, the Giants clearly need more from Darren Waller. I mean, he's not, He's not hurt. He's not on in the injury report, right? So he's not dealing with this hamstring sciatic nerve pinching and tightness that was, he was dealing with to start the season. Um, what gives here? They need, they need this guy to play like the guy they invested uh, a third round pick and and basically 24 million bucks in over the course of the next two years, they need him to play better.
1: Yeah. I mean, he he falls under the category with a lot of people on this team uh, that need to play better. We could, we could make a list and do a whole show on that. Yeah. Uh. You know, Kayvon Thibodeau might be at the top of that list right now, um, but yeah, he's he's definitely among those guys that that need to play better. He played a, 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 a he played a good game against Arizona. Uh, you oh, know, for when sure. it, when, it, when they you know in that, the second half comeback, he was a he was in the middle of all of that. Um, you know, they but they you know they need a lot of guys to play better, uh, and Waller's among them. He's you know that that was a disappointing game for him you know he's supposed to be you know he's a tight end but he's their number one receiver and they need him to to be a number one receiver especially right now with Saquon Barkley out um so you know there there's a lot of things this this team needs right now uh and that that certainly is in the is in the group just and and i feel like we probably summed
0: up a lot of their problems offensively right now in the broader and more narrow scheme. I mean, the bottom line is they gotta they gotta score some points. I mean, you're not gonna win games scoring 12 points and gaining 150 yards, just not happening. Um, so it doesn't really matter how heroic you're and their defense was not heroic, by the way. We'll get to that, but they gave up 441 yards and most of their Wink Martindale, the second most rather. I think that they 245 in the first half, they didn't play well on defense. They needed to be heroic, they were the furthest thing from heroic. Uh, but Given the fact of how bad they were on offense, they probably weren't winning the game anyway. But they do have some issues defensively um, that are not exactly helping them, especially when they they're so limited currently on offense with Saquon Barkley out in the O line injuries. Uh, and there's a couple things that play here, and they go hand in hand. One of them is missed tackles, and one of them is yards after catch. Obviously, those things are directly related. The Giants missed 16 tackles in San Francisco. That was their most since 2019. PFF had them for 196 yards after the catch, so right around 200. Uh, they missed. They had a, a game last year against the Texans, actually, where they they allowed 198 after the catch and they won the game. So that's not like a directly correlated stat to losing. Uh, but when you miss 16 tackles and allow 196 yards after the catch against a really good team, you're you're like almost never going to win the game.
1: No, I mean it's yeah. It's just when you give up whatever, whatever is four hundred to what one hundred and fifteen yards, you're never going to win that game. Um, so I mean that they were within eighteen points probably uh, probably tells you right there that, that you know it, it, the game wasn't that close when you look at it, look at it statistically. Um, you know, even going back to the offensive side for a moment, like you, you wonder if the the uh, 49ers figured out a formula for stopping Daniel Jones as a runner because you know the the Giants could probably use him more as a runner right now uh, yeah. but he was two for five in that game he couldn't you know he couldn't get break free to run you know they couldn't figure out a way to get him loose to use his legs because I'm sure they'd like to do that with Saquon out um, but you know defensively it, it, was, it was just not a, a good performance at all um, you know Kayvon is just you know he, he was very defensive the days leading up to to that game about his performance pointing out that you know he he's asked to do a lot of other things besides rush to passer and he's right you know the Giants have said this before they they asked him to they ask him to cover they ask him to set the edge uh, on on running plays um, but even in that regard he's not you know been a good player right now you know if you look at pro football focus rankings he's a I think 110th out of 112 uh, edge rushers right now His uh, grade is 110 out of 112 that qualify, uh, you know, and right in front of him is Jihad Ward. So, and and Aziz Ojalari doesn't even qualify right now because he hasn't played. So that tells you right there, they've been soft on the edges. Uh, you know, they don't have, Kavon does have a sack now. He did get a sack in the game against the 49ers, but, you know, they just need a lot more from they need a lot more from their big name players right now. You know, it goes to Waller. It goes to Thibodeau. Um, you know, it goes to the secondary too, you know, Xavier and Xavier and the um, Dory need to come up big. Uh, Deontay Banks has played pretty good for a rookie, I think, but you know, they need, they need guys to come up big for them. Their big, big name players to come up big.
0: Yeah. uh, I mean, you look at Thibodeau's grades. Okay. Like, so how has he done pass rush wise? He has two pressures in each of the last two games, zero in week one. So four pressures, pass rush grades of 56, 51, 53, pretty average run defense, 60 grades of 62, 49, 27. So he's not like he's even been a good run defender. Um, So at least according to PFF metrics. And so, Yes, it's, you have to take into account the things that they're asking him to do in terms of pre-snap calls and recognition and all that stuff. But, um, look, there's a reason they drafted this guy fifth overall. Um, and that, that was because they thought he could be a dynamic, difference-making player who can do a lot of different things. And so he flashed last year, has not taken that next step this year. And so he's one of, guys, as you mentioned, one of several guys in their defense who who they currently have issues with uh who who are currently experiencing issues and i think another one uh in that secondary would be jason pinnock he's missed six tackles talked to him yesterday and he he said oh i don't know i mean i think there's three i'd like to have back pff's got him for six missed tackles um and so they need more from him but i I, I get it that he's not you know a high profile player but this revamp secondary uh needs to be certainly more secure when they're going up against tyler lockett and uh DK Metcalf this week so yeah no I mean they're just this is a team I uh, look I, I don't think anyone was surprised that they lost to the 49ers it was probably a loss likely loss going in even if the Giants were fully healthy and then they weren't they got blown off the field they didn't look like they belong the Niners are probably a top three or five team in the NFL Giants playing in a short week on the road I get it they lost okay they destroyed their their wiggle room by losing to the Cowboys in week one but the way they've lost these games Um, especially being so non-competitive in the first half has really put a a, a kind of a glaring spotlight on a lot of their flaws, right? They're, they're a pretty ugly one and two right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, it it took a miracle to get them there. (laughs) Yeah. so You know, that, that's the, the whole thing, you know, they've, they've really played two good quarters of football. Maybe you could, I think it was three, three at the end of the first quarter on Thursday. So you give them that quarter and maybe it's a good, good quarter against the 49ers, but there's been a lot more bad than good through the first three games of the season, a lot more reasons to have questions. Uh Now it was interesting because I, you know, I was talking to Xavier McKinney yesterday and I was like, well, should people remember, you know, that the two losses are against the Cowboys and the 49ers, two very good teams. And it's like, no, we don't think that way. We don't think about the opponent. We think about what we're supposed to do. Uh, And if you put it in that light, that's fine. You can put it in that light. Uh He's like, you know, if we do what we're supposed to do, we can beat anybody. Well, that that's fine, but they haven't done what they're supposed to do. Um, you know, it's it, it's it's kind of like what uh, Darius Slayton said, I think, about the Cowboys. You know, is, is it okay for people to say, "Hey, you can't beat the Cowboys"? Like, you know, I can't say that we can because we haven't. <laughs> you know, so you know, until they do it, there's going to be lots of doubt, and there's lots of doubt right now. For sure. Uh, And I
0: think your headline of of a post you did uh, a couple of days ago summed it up perfectly. The Giants need to get a lot of things fixed fast or the season will be over soon. I mean, that sums up everything we just said, given how the schedule falls early on and uh, and all of their wide ranging problems that have been exposed through this one and two start in which, as you said, they've played exactly one good half of football. And so, um, yeah, we all knew that this this first six games is going to be a gauntlet. And now here comes the third primetime game in four weeks on Monday night against Seattle. They played on Sunday night. They played on Thursday night. Now on Monday night game, then they get the bills in week six on Sunday night. So four of the first six, three of the first five and primetime. So the, the, the nation, you know, nationally televised audience getting a chance to see this giant team. And it has not been a great product so far. Um, obviously they don't care what time the game is at, but, um, yeah, and I think another another thing you brought up just defensively, uh, if they want to play better here in prime time, is uh, how they kind of marry up man coverage and blitzes and the riskiness with which they play defense and how long Wink Martindale may continue to uh, stick with that
1: approach. Yeah, and that's what I wrote about that for this morning. You know, they they, they on dropbacks I think it was eighty four point six percent they blitzed. Um, Brock Purdy the other night and he kind of carved them up for, you know, it wasn't all on blitzes, but he ended up throwing for 310 yards and two touchdowns. Um, You know, and they've blitzed, I think they've blitzed 53% of the time, more than half the time they're blitzing. uh, And they, you know, have two sacks, no takeaways to show for it. Um, You're not getting your bang for your buck. And they're, you know, I think they're, I I forget the exact number I, I wrote today and I don't have the story in front of me, but, they're in the bottom they're in the bottom uh 15 in pressure percentage too that La- you know and they're also haven't been good on third down and red zone defense which they were very good at last year i mean they were ex- exceptional at that which is why they were able to win a lot of those close games because they kept the, the scoring down because they were so good in the red zone and third down uh they haven't been good at any of those things so far um you know i talked to xavier mckinney and Dory Jackson was kind of a, a lean locker room yesterday in terms of who was available to talk to after the, the light practice. But, you know, they, they both were, you know, on board, you know, Hey, when Wink became our defensive coordinator, we knew what, we knew what was coming, uh, you know, because a lot of it is put on the secondary obviously. Uh, and we want to keep blitzing. and we want to keep doing what, what Wink loves to do. And eventually it all turned around. Well, again, they <laughs> go back to, okay, that's fine. Let's see it. You know,
0: So just to put a bow statistically on what you were alluding to there, Barack Purdy had 39 dropbacks in that game. The Giants blitzed him him on 33 of the 39 dropbacks, and he completed 19 of 31 passes for 252 yards, um, two touchdowns. No one
1: on the blitzes, yeah. He threw for 310 overall, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean he he did most of his work
1: when when they blitzed him. Of course, they blitzed him almost every every play. Right. You know, and you know, there are some, there's a, there's a school of thought that Wink is too much that, he, you know, and there was a quote, and I picked this out of a, a Baltimore Sun story from last year um, quote from, from Harbaugh uh, after they lost a the game to Pittsburgh and not last year in 2021 Winks last year is the Ravens defense coordinator about how you go to the well, once too often, you're going to get burned. You know, you, and you know, which may have been the, the beginning of the end for their relationship, is in terms of being a coach and defense coordinator together. Um, you know, but the Giants apparently aren't there right now. They, you know, they, they still in, in, in wink we trust, uh, or as I wrote today, uh, damn, damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead. Uh, so, um, you know it's it's fine but you gotta you gotta prove it on the field if it, I understand it's philosophy and probably wink's never going to change that philosophy because it's what he believes in it's what he was raised on as a as a defensive guy um but you know the proof is in the proof is in the pudding and so far um the the bowl's empty <laughs> yeah pretty much very true and it, it, I mean just
0: they blitz Brock Purdy 33 times okay they got pressure the Giants did only on 17 of those 33 including two sacks so they got pressure 17 times out of, out of 31 out of, i'm sorry out of 33 which is okay yeah, yeah that's, that's 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 fine great. but he was you still know, able to get the ball off and right. 19 to 31 for 252 and two touchdowns and that gets back to also um you know right. how I mean, you pressure, pressure's
1: pressure's relative somewhat i mean if he's being hurried but you know, he, he he's being hurried, but the guy he's thrown to is wide open because you blitzed. You know, what what good's that pressure?
0: Which gets back to a lot of the chicken and egg stuff about blitzing so much and leaving so many guys in man coverage. Um, especially when you're having back end tackling issues after the catch. Um, these are all things that make the, the whole product just look bad. Um, so that's where they're at. And I think as we turn our focus to Monday night, they have a really tough receiver matchup in DK Metcalf. And I got a chance to talk to, to Deontay Banks yesterday in the locker room. And one of the reasons why they drafted this kid was because he's a physical corner. They needed a physical man coverage corner and he, he was not going to back down. And that's what he's prided himself on. Well, you know, now he goes against a guy who's a, basically a unicorn in the NFL in terms of like the size and the physicality in DK Metcalf. This is a, a huge challenge and Banks said he expects to cover uh, Metcalf quite a bit, and now Xavier McKinney did note, you know, for good receivers like that, they're going to shade a safety over, so there will be coverage help, but
1: huge test coming up for Deontay Banks here. Well, ab- absolutely. Um, I do, you know, he hasn't been great, but he's been he's been okay for for a rookie. I think. Um, I I like the way he goes about his business. He doesn't nothing seems to phase phase Deontay Banks, you know, and I can see a scenario where he becomes a in time becomes a really, really good, uh, a shutdown corner. Um, but uh, he's not there yet. Uh, and this is, this is probably his biggest challenge, uh, so far. Uh, CD lamb is obviously, um, a, 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 tough challenge too. Um, although CD will line up in the slot occasionally and move all over. Um, and I'm sure they'll move Metcalf around too. Um, but, you know, this is this is probably his biggest challenge, a, a, a big physical guy. Uh, you know, but it's a, a challenge for the whole secondary. And this is a pretty good balanced team, too, because they have Kenneth Walker in the backfield, uh, another tough back for them to go against. I'm not sure he's Christian McCaffrey, but he's pretty good. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is an animal after watching him. You know, he's they the 49ers have so many weapons. They, they will not face as many weapons this week against the, the Seahawks. Uh, you know, as great as Geno Smith's story has been, he was a comeback player of the year last year. played a played a great game against them, and and then didn't he dedicate it? I think to Dave Gettleman. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so so he played he played a really good game, and he's a great story in terms of his comeback. Um, but the Seahawks aren't the Forty Nine ers. Uh, they'll they'll be a tough opponent, and they've you know they've already got a really good win under their belt by going to. Detroit and beating the Lions right after the Lions have beaten Kansas city and in Kansas city. Uh, but this isn't going to be as tough a game, a tough as opponent. It could be a toughest game, but it's not going to be as tough an opponent as the 49ers.
0: Yeah. And it, of course the return of Julian love who who signed with Seattle in free agency, one of the giants leaders last, last year. Uh, And you know, uh,
1: he's a, he's an okay, he's a fine player. He's a good player. Uh, was, You know, he's very good at He's He's good at coming up and hitting people, um, yeah. but stopping the run is, is, is a strength coverage coverage is not, but stopping the run and, and you know, he's a good blitzer too. Um, So he's got, he's got some skills that you can use to your advantage. And, and Pete Carroll is one of the best at putting together defenses. So for sure. And I, you know, I
0: think I want right now, this team needs leadership and I'm not saying they lack it, but you know, his, his, his return here kind of puts a spotlight on how, how big of a leader he was for that locker room last year. And uh, I'm not saying they're, they're seeking out that or they're missing that, but this, it does uh, tie into the fact that this is a time where they need their leaders to, 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 to lead. Right. I mean, they, they, they have some guys in there like Adoree Jackson, Leonard Williams. I'm just talking specifically about the defense um, who need to demand more from, from these guys, uh, whether that's Kayvon Thibodeau, a younger guy who is still kind of working on his emotional maturity and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I think that, 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 that they need someone to do what Julian Love did last year. And I'm not saying they're not, that's not happening, but, um, this is the time
1: for it to happen. Yeah. I think, I think Bobby O'Kerrick, once he gets more settled in can be that kind of guy. He's that, you know, he's a smart guy who, uh, I think has a, a vocal side to him. Um, but he's got to get settled in first and become a trusted player in that locker room. Um, you know, Xavier's kind of a, a leader, but not. a, I don't think he's a real demanding leader. Julian was a different kind, different kind of leader. He was very. You know, everybody knew he was smart. Everybody knew he, he was going to be where he was supposed to be in terms of the defense. Uh, you know, they they asked a lot of him. I mean, that that to me was his greatest value last year was when McKinney went down. Uh, after the bye week, you know, he really stood up and held things together, uh, defensively after McKinney went down. Um, you know, he's a different kind of player than Xavier. Xavier's, a, you know, probably a more talented player. Um, but Julian was, if not the best leader on that defense last year, certainly, certainly one of them. You, you know, you talk about Dex and, and Dexter and Leonard Ham or Leonard Williams, um, and you know they're both really good players and they're actually both playing okay they both played pretty good against the 49ers uh played very well um but they're, neither one is really a vocal leader you know um cavon could be that i think if he but i think right now cavon's Kayvon, just trying to you know get himself squared away and become the player that he wants to be uh so he's been kind of quiet more quiet than he was a year ago I think, because um, he's, you know, he's a little bit, um, I don't want to say confused, but just he, he, I think, you know, he, he last week before the Niners game, he talked about, you know, asking him to do different things and was kind of defensive about his own play. Um, but I think that he knows deep down that he's not doing the things that he's capable of doing. And, you know, he's not going to be, the he's not going to be the leader of the defense until he is, You know, when he's when he's all over the field and playing like he did against the the Cowboys in Dallas last year and the the commanders in Washington, until he does those kinds of things, he's not going to be the the vocal leader uh, of this team. Well said. Um, And just to kind of uh,
0: tie up what we talked about, about DK Metcalf and how dangerous he is. Well, he hung 112 yards in the Panthers last week and then 75 the week before that in Detroit. Uh, Seattle won both games. After losing the opener to the Rams and Metcalf in that game had 47 and a touchdown. So, obviously, a really dangerous receiver. Um, yeah, I guess Tyler because- Ty- Lockett
1: said, uh, what's he had? Four straight 4,000 or 1,000 yard seasons in the year before that. He had 965. So, he's not off to a, a, a hot start at all, but yep. he's also dangerous. So. He is. Yeah.
0: Uh, and and a guy who at 5'10, 182 pro- profiles as, I would guess that they don't have banks cover him. Um, but yeah, certainly dangerous, even at how old is he? He's, he's about to turn, well, tomorrow he turns 31. So um, yeah, so at this stage of his career, still really productive, spent his whole career in Seattle. Guy's got 56 touchdown catches in his career. Um, you know, not bad for a third round pick. That's what they do so well there. I mean, they, they've nailed the middle round picks for so many years, going to Russell Wilson, Oh man, Richard Sherman, all those guys who have come through there, through the Pete Carroll, John Schneider, Seahawks have a lot of those guys were were mid round picks, and uh, that's where you that's where you wind up, um, you know, becoming a successful team. Is you know anyone can hit on a high pick, uh, I think it just gets down to for 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 taking that next step, being able to. Have enough of those mid-round picks, which the Giants just haven't had. I think that the fact that Josh Azudu can't get on the field is a third-round pick last year. Not great. Um, Cordell Flott, third-round pick l- last year. It was a healthy scratch uh last week. They played Darnay Holmes over him, who is obviously underwhelmed. And he's another example, of Darnay Holmes. Uh, fourth round pick has not delivered. Matt Parrott, third-round pick. Like they, they They wouldn't put him on the field, it seems like, if he was the last guy, healthy guy on their offensive line. Um, Aaron Robinson, third-round pick in 2021, can't stay healthy. So, yeah, that just underscores um, a lot of the problems they've had in the middle rounds, which is a whole entirely different topic. But the fact that they're playing, I think, a team this week who's been so consistent so good uh, and and has built that on mid-round picks puts, I think, a bit of a spotlight maybe on, on how bad the Giants have been over that time. In that, uh, in that yeah, I mean,
1: the, the Seattle is, as you pointed out, one of the best at, at doing that. And they, you know, by doing it last year, um, they, you know, the Giants were certainly one of the surprise playoff teams last year, but maybe Seattle was even more, especially given that they, you know, Geno Smith had basically not played at all for five years and all of a sudden comes back and, you know, replaces Russell Wilson and takes him to the playoffs. That was. They they might they probably were an even bigger surprise than the Giants to get into the playoffs last year, um, but you know they, they these two teams were the surprise teams of the NFL last year for sure. Um, you know the one the, the one other thing I wanted to get to uh, from that that Niners game if we go back a second is I'm going to be interested this week. Uh, I think they come out on Friday. Um, is to see what the fines are this week. Um, Bobby O'Carrick, he got had a pretty, uh, pretty hefty fine for a, what I thought was like a, a rather innocent play where he, where he in, in Arizona, where he went in after the quarterback and he hit him on the head, came down and hit him on the head. It didn't look like it was intentional or anything, but he got, I think, $16,000 fine for that. Um, you know, the, 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 the 49ers, Trent Williams, I don't know, I don't know how he didn't get thrown out of that game for what he did. Uh, and then, yeah, um, so he, punch, he punched. Uh, who did he uh, punch? John Robinson. Yes, thank you. Yeah, it Sean was a punch. Robinson. Yeah, and then, and then maybe even worse than that was what Jake Rend- Rendell did uh, to Davidson, which is oh, uh, yeah. And as you mentioned, at the top of the show, we don't know how badly he hurt. He is again, and it'd be it'd be a shame if he was really hurt because he's you know he was playing okay last year. in week five, he in London, he, got, he tore his ACL and was done for the year. Uh, if this is something like that, it puts this kid out for a year. You know, to to me that was even more egregious than the than the um, Trent Williams punch because uh, it was. I mean, he took him after the play was over and just threw him down by the arm. I'm I'm really curious to see what those two guys are fine this week, uh, and if and if they're if they're not fine, <laughs> more than Kerky was for what he did, I'm I'm livid if I'm the Giants. I really am. Yeah, uh,
0: and a lot obviously these fines are, are slotted. I think for first offense, second offense, but there's there's I would think some wiggle room in there. But throwing a punch is is borderline ejectionable. Um,
1: right. Ejectionable, whatever. I mean, that the, was that was just ridiculous, though.
0: So. Yeah, so that'll be something to look look for when the, I think Friday or Saturday when when these fines come out. Um, but yeah, that's the Giants are are trying to find their footing here, trying to see uh, you know not just DJ Davidson, of course, is an unknown health thing here we'll see on Saquon Barkley. Uh they're trying to just very broadly do what the Seahawks have done under Pete Carroll and that's they've made the playoffs 10 to 13 years under him. Uh granted they have not been back to the conference championship game since 2014 when they lost the Super Bowl coming off the 2013 Super Bowl uh win which was here at MetLife Met Stadium and they crushed the Broncos in that game. Uh but uh yeah, I mean that to, to get to the playoffs 10 or 13 years, that's what they're trying to build with the Giants. Once you get in, you give yourself a chance. So uh I think more narrowly let's do a two prong prediction here. So okay, um we'll just say like do you so I'll just go one by one. Do you think the Giants will have Saquon
1: Barkley uh on Monday night? I'm gonna say no. Uh I don't you know I I covered NFL off and on since 2003 for about a 15 year period. And I don't know too many guys have come back in in 2 weeks from a high ankle sprain. I, in fact, I don't know I can't remember any. That doesn't mean it didn't happen, but at least my memory uh which admittedly is going with age, but in my memory I don't remember anybody coming back from a high ankle sprain in 2 weeks. Uh I agree. Uh, you, the Giants will not have Barkley. Will they have Andrew Thomas? I'm going to say yes, they will have Andrew Thomas. Uh, you know they've they've had th- three weeks now to 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 work on him. That they didn't play him. I think I think holding him out was probably the smart move because if you do start aggravating a hamstring, they can linger. So I, I do think we'll see Andrew Thomas back. All right, I agree. So we don't need to predict every
0: injured player, but those two being the big ones, the biggest ones since we know Ben Bredesen's coming back, uh, we'll see on Aziz Ojolari. But uh, yes, I think that they they will have. Uh, Thomas, but not Barkley. I agree with you there. Uh, how do you see things
1: pick wise for this game? No, I really, I haven't given it a lot of thought, but um, I just think the Giants are going to be desperate and and they're going to win a, a a tight game. Um, I'm going to say twenty to seventeen. Yep, I think uh, without
0: Saquon Barkley, they're going to have to win a low scoring game. They're going to need their defense to be certainly better than they were against the Niners. And as you mentioned, doing it against a team that's not not as imposing across the board in terms of talent. Like, man, the Niners have done such an awesome job of building that team. It's unbelievable. Like, if they had hit on Trey Lance or if they had, like, a tra- – I mean, Brock Purdy's very good quarterback, I think, but uh, I don't think anyone would say, like, okay, he's their best player. Uh, but, man, if they had a guy in there who was, like, a sure thing, sure thing uh, – franchise quarterback type right maybe pretty grows into that they they're there's already one of the best teams in the league their roster talent is unbelievable uh, deep. <laughs> they are the, the Seattle is not that and the Giants get Seattle at home uh, Seattle having to come all the way across the country Giants on extra rest this is a must win I don't know if it's a should win game for the Giants but like they have to show up like I don't think this if the Giants get blown off the field in this spot, then they have some
1: major, major problems. This team is in deeper mud than we thought. The spread, the spread tells you what the odds makers think. Is they 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 think Seattle's the better team, but the Giants are home. So, um, what's the line? Spread is one and a half for um, the Giants. Yeah, for the Giants are favored by one and a half. So they they Which, think that Seattle's a little bit better team. And they but the Giants are home. That's the only reason they're the
0: favorite. Yep. Team home teams, I guess, typically get three points. Uh so I will go with the Giants in this one. Um, at the risk of having the exact same score, up. I'll say twenty four to twenty one. Why not? Uh a little bit higher on both numbers there, but a very close game, close win for the Giants, a much needed critical win because it gets no easier, you know, they have to go down to Miami and play a team that hung 70 points, obviously on the, on the Broncos who are, who are really bad. Um, but still, my gosh, you you got, you got the Buffalo game in there, which is, um,
1: the bills have figured it out since week one. Yeah. You know, I, I guess the biggest break they've got is that, that jets game doesn't look nearly as scary as it once did. Uh, so that, that helps them. Um, you know, the Raiders probably can win at home if they, you know, if, if things go their way. Um, you know, but then now they got a they got a quarterback issue, right? Or did, yeah,
0: Jimmy Garoppolo. I think what is it? Is he is he dealing with a concussion or? I think uh, cut, yeah,
1: I, I guess. But Carr was the one who got hurt worse. I'm thinking Carr. Uh,
0: yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo's got a concussion and, and then Derek Carr with the Saints has got the uh, AC joint sprain. The
1: Giants don't play the Saints until mid-December, but who knows. Right. right. So that but then they go to the Cowboys, you know, the Patriots probably are better than we give them credit for after beating the Jets, you know. That that's never an easy game. Winning at Washington's never easy. The Pack the Packers are probably a little bit better than we thought they were going to be. Um, you know, they every one of the the rams are probably a little bit better than we thought they were going to be um and the eagles are the eagles that you know to me the eagles and the 49ers uh I might put the 49ers a little bit in front of the eagles right now but to me they are arguably the two best teams in the it's certainly the NFC and maybe the whole NFL um you know they're both really good teams i mean just to level it
0: out like if if the giants if the giants go one and two in the stretch and that puts them at two and four. They got six more games uh until their bye week. Um, In order to get back to 500, they'd have to go four and two, right? Over the, over the course of Washington right. jets, Raiders, right. Cowboys, Washington right. caps. Uh, I mean, if they start one and five, then you got to turn right back around and go five and one against, yeah. against those six games, just to get back to 500 entering your bye week going into December. Uh, which is why one and five forget it, and maybe two and four, you're 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 treading water, it wouldn't even be the right use of the word treading water, you're you're under, but uh, yes, the schedule
1: you're gurgling,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, this is a huge game. It's just, I mean, you understand why they lost to the Niners, I totally get it. There's no shame in that loss. Losing to the Cowboys, like the, the, the score makes it worse, but you know, that was a game where. You probably figured maybe the Giants would lose. They won a game they were supposed to win in Arizona, albeit in having to pull a rabbit out of the hat. Um, But this now looms uh, as a huge one, as a huge one, an early must win. So we'll see what happens. Appreciate everybody listening. Uh, Be sure to subscribe, follow, rate, review. Uh, on all your favorite podcasting platforms, and we will be back with you guys next week. Maybe we'll do we'll do it Tuesday, I think next week because then the Giants are back on kind of their regular schedule. <clears throat> Other, yeah, of course. <clears throat> excuse me, a short week, shortish week going to Miami, so that's worth noting too. Uh, as they get down, as they go on this two game, I guess road swing, uh, and then the Dolphins, of course, do not play on Monday night this week. They play, they play the Bills. The Dolphins play the Bills at 1 o'clock on, on Sunday. So they get an extra day, obviously, coming off a, a huge game. but should be a fun game. So, all right, we'll talk to you guys next week on Tuesday. Everybody take care.